joining us in the studio, president of the Blue Mountain Village Association. We say hello to Andrew Seward. Andrew, great to have you here. Good morning. Great to be here. Andrew, uh, it is uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, and we're going to get you to just move that microphone a little closer to you. Perfect. Sure. Um, because when we talk about Blue Mountain Village Association, we have um, members of your team on all the time. Yesterday, Megan Hardwood was here talking about the story time yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, about the events that you've got going on uh, uh, later on this week and uh, into Rest next. of the summer. Yeah. Uh, and we, we were talking off air about how, you know, there's a lot of uh, business associations and, and the BIAs, as you'll call them, yeah. uh, which is essentially uh, a number of, of residents and retailers that own property that put money together to just make their whole situation better. But you guys take it to that next level, which is more than just doing festivals and pretty gardens and colorful lights. You take it to a whole nother level and and you're looking more on terms of sustainability and and sustainability about our whole community. 100%. And we really believe that that's an important role for our organization and other organizations. Mm -hmm. I mean... um, we have to make sure that our, our overall economy is strong. And when we, we get a sense that there are issues percolating, we really believe that we have to tackle them head on and, uh, and uh, do our best to solve those problems and challenges for the business community, but as well as for our local residents. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, attainable housing, which we're going to talk about, is, mm-hmm. a, is a prime example. It's, a, it's a, a challenge and a need that impacts our workforce, but it also impacts every local resident, young families, seniors, etc. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that we're doing this work for our members and the industry, but also for the community at large. Part of this work in, in this overall mission, one of the objectives is, as you mentioned, to look at uh, attainable housing. And you, in connection with a number of other organizations, have been working on a labor supply task force. Correct. Uh, and uh, it looks like at least some of the fruits of the labor are happening because the report is now out. That's that's correct. Yeah, one of our one of our key pillars of the labor supply task force was to look at attainable housing, and what we did was we commissioned a, a research study. Uh, we all self funded it as well as got some funds from the province of Ontario. Okay, because across the board, communities are dealing with this issue uh, as well as we are, and so um, um, there's a real understanding that we're a special place in a big economy. So. Uh, uh, we went out and um, you know surveyed employees, talked to business owners, talked to economic developers, and uh, all of those insights are in. What uh, first of all, what did you learn from this? What what are the key pillars of of some of the things you found out from this research? Well, one of the things that we learned, and I don't think this will be a surprise to many, but our local housing market is actually disconnected from our local economy. So the people who sort of live and work here aren't really driving up. Our real estate values, our real estate values are being driven up by those who are moving here or purchasing properties for the weekend, those who are retiring here and bringing with them um, sizable nest eggs, as well as um, some home rentals for the sharing economy. So even increased uh, employment numbers, increased uh, local housing uh, isn't affecting the price of housing. It's it's externally being weighed on. Exactly. Mm. So uh, an interesting statistic. So when you look at over the last six years since 2011, uh, this data was done in 2017. Um, since 2011, um, you know, incomes have raised locally by about 14%. Right. So closely tracking what um, uh, inflation would be. 
the cost of housing in that same time frame went up 58%. Wow. So you can see that sort of gap there. Yes. Um, and so when you've got a local labor market and a local economy that functions a certain way, but then a housing market, which is influenced by external factors, that is really uh, creating a bit of a, of a, of a challenge. And it exists across the whole South Georgian Bay region, but really the towns of Blue Mountain and Collingwood, not surprisingly, are the ones that are most most heavily hit. So it's nothing new just or, or different than maybe what's happening in other parts of, of the region. It's just that for town of Blue Mountains and Collingwood, it's just so much more extreme. Exactly, exactly. And we um, there's an interesting measure on attainable housing versus affordable housing. And this okay. is something that people often get confused right. about. And uh, when you say the words affordable housing, people tend to get a little nervous, right. um, which they shouldn't. But um, attainable housing is really defined as uh, housing that you can that you can get that costs 30% of your of your household income or less. Right. So if you're spending, uh, that would be considered attainable housing. If you are spending money, uh, let's say 40 or 50% of your income on housing, you're no longer in an attainable situation. Right. The research told us that about 2,250 people in the region, uh, and this is a conservative estimate, are sitting in a, in a non-attainable housing scenario, or they really acutely need attainable housing. Okay, so let's uh, we now identify that. I don't think there was any surprises there. I think <laughs> the um, how extreme the situation was may be a bit of a surprise. What's the challenge now? Now we know that. So where do we go from here? Obviously, we're going to have a challenge if if there is no housing that's attainable, then there's going to be no labor force to live in the area to service the the companies that we're trying to expand. Well, exactly. Yeah. We, we'll, there's a few risks that are on the horizon. Right. One, economic growth generally will, will just stall. If we can't recruit the people we need to serve the, the customers that, that need serving, we're, we're in trouble. Okay. Um, and this cuts across all sectors, uh, not just tourism. I was speaking with some local healthcare providers as an example. Um, uh, personal support workers, very challenging to recruit to our area. Um, can't can't find housing. Um, if you think about our population base, uh, many yeah. of us need personal Absolutely. Uh, care workers, and we're going to need more if you look at the way our population. Exactly. Is. So that's uh, you know I call that a canary in the coal mine mm. scenario where. If we're already uh, seeing people having to leave our community because we don't have enough personal care workers, you see how the the impacts go beyond just the economy. It goes to our social safety net as well. And the quality of life. I mean, just sure. to, to be able to enjoy the community. That we exactly. Live in. All of the lifestyle benefits that have brought us all here. So those elements are all at risk. And then the other things, if you're, if you're living in your household and you are having to spend a lot of money on on your housing. It means that you're probably perhaps taking another job. Perhaps you're starting to live further away from your employment and you're Mm -hmm. driving more. So there are impacts to stress. There's impacts to cost. There's environmental impacts. I mean, the last thing we want is more people traveling further distances. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, one of the things that we really need to do and what the research is showing us is now is the time for us to take a step back and look at a couple of key strategies in our community and figure out how we want to build our future and what kind of infrastructure we need to support families, workers, seniors, and everyone. Does this report come up with, I mean, yes, thank you. You've identified the problems, but does <laughs> what, are it, the solutions? Yeah, what do we what do, do we about this? Uh, that's a great, that's a great um, point, John. So there's a couple of um, 
priorities that the research has identified right away. Uh, priority number one is to figure out how we can build some um, housing or accommodation to support our seasonal swings in the workforce. And seasonality really impacts tourism, but it also impacts our municipalities. Yeah. It impacts pretty much everyone. So uh, we've looked at the student housing models in some other markets, and we think there's an opportunity to, to sort of copy what's been done well at the university campuses um, uh, to to facilitate the housing needs of, of uh, entry-level workers and those who are coming here for seasonality. Um, we really believe, and the research shows, that we need more rental housing and purpose-built rental housing. Um, Collingwood is a little more ahead of that game, um, but uh, towns like the Blue Mountains, there's virtually no rental housing on the on the horizon. And, and people aren't building uh, rental buildings. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So if you're a household earning, say, between forty dollars and $70,000 a year, you might not be quite ready yet to purchase a home. You certainly can't purchase a home here. No. <laughs> um, but you might want to stay and you might want to bring your family here. So rentals is a great uh, entry point for folks. We right. need more of that to encourage more in-migration of people from outside of the community. And then um, affordable home ownership, uh, whether that's condominiums or smaller family homes. Um, you know, if your uh, household income is up to $100,000 a year, you really can't afford a family home here. Right. So, you know, we really need to look at strategies to, to bring that kind of product online. And that really involves density. So our building on larger um, neighborhoods with large estate-sized lots is not really the future for those types of, of individuals. So you're looking at perhaps a couple of stories, perhaps more townhomes, something that's a little more um, dense, which can allow a developer to build units at a, at a less expensive price and provide that housing for for the families now i might be naive here andrew but my guess is if those things could make more money for the developers they'd be building them now there's there's got to be a reason why most developers are building these big expansive uh you know expensive homes because that's where the market is. And, and well, and how again, do you change the market? Well, it's a good, good question. And back to my original point about the disconnect between our local economy and what is actually driving the housing market. What we really need to do is devise a strategy that, um, that incentivizes the building of the types of homes that we need in our community. To make it more profitable. Right. To make it more profitable, to eliminate the risk for a developer. Um, Because otherwise, they're going to continue to build those those larger um, properties for the market that's outside of our economy. Right. And, um, you know... One of the things that a lot of developers have told us is that they've they've often proposed some of these more dense um, communities and, and, and different strategies, but they often find a lot of opposition locally or, or they don't get approved as quickly. Sure. They're, they're uh, sort of not as typical, so they tend to take longer. So right. the risk is higher for a developer to try something new and innovative, which means what the developer tends to do is follow the path that's of least resistance. Least resistance. Yeah, of and as, of course, they need to. That's what their business is. But, right. So in order to, to overcome some of these challenges, the research is actually proposing a couple of really innovative approaches to deal with that. So uh, it's sort of a four-part plan. Part number one, look at the municipalities in the South Georgia Bay region and figure out, A, do we value attainable housing? And if Mm -hmm. so, let's figure out what kind of incentives the municipalities can put on the table uh, to bring the cost of those developments down. 
B, can we eliminate risk for a developer? So could employers, as an example, guarantee some of the new units that are coming online? Um, right. I need to hire X number of people. Exactly. I'm if you guarantee. build this rental um, building of 100 units, we'll guarantee 75. Hmm. Takes the risk out. Um, point number three is we really think that we need to engage the community a bit more in discussing the options, coming up with the standards. The community hates when a development comes along and they don't know about it. It takes them by surprise and they feel that something is encroaching their community. Sure. But if you reverse that paradigm and engage the community to talk about, you know, what's the right bill form? Where is it best suited? How right. should it look? I think it's a different dynamic. And I think what I'm hearing from the local community is that they would really engage, um, they would really enjoy participating at that level. And then fourth, uh, is let's articulate these these projects. Municipalities come with some ideas. Employers come and guarantee. Community members have said what they like. And then we go to the development community and we ask them to compete to build mm. the types of projects that we need to sustain our community. So it really flips the paradigm in terms of uh, how development happens in our community. And we believe that if we can... Uh, engage that strategy in a number of projects, we have a really good shot of bringing on some of the housing we need to support our community. You know, this is going to apply not only, I think, not only to uh, certainly this workforce challenge, but, uh, you know, our, our senior population and, and trying to get youth to move into the community that'll help all those areas. To, to get youth to move in, to con- encourage youth to stay. I mean, I talk to a lot of people, you know, my age, uh, ba- you know, younger baby boomers or mm-hmm. Gen Xers. We've got children who can't who can't leave the home? Uh, they're they're looking for job opportunities elsewhere. They're 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 leaving the community. So we want to give people a reason to stay, and and a, a good reason to stay in your community is that you can you you can afford to live here at every stage of life. So if you're starting a family, you want to be able to do that. What are the next steps, Andrew? The next steps are each municipality in the region is going to be digesting the research findings and considering the options that best suit their communities. Um, Some are a little more advanced, others are, are just starting the work. Uh, Town of Blue Mountains is gonna uh, is preparing a report to its council to f- to figure out some uh, bigger recommendations. Uh, there's a community consultation online. So from here, each municipality in the South George Bay region takes the research findings and starts to advance. Um, we we're doing a little more work in a phase two project uh, to dive a little deeper into the recommendations, and we're just going to keep pushing until we get there. Andrew, if folks want to find out more about this report, maybe get a copy of it, uh, where should they go? They can um, reach out to me on via Twitter is probably the best way. It's Andrew underscore Blue Mountain, B-L-U-E-M-T-N. And uh, I'll uh, send you all the information you need. Andrew Seawork is president of the Blue Mountain Village Association. As always, Andrew, a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thanks for having me.